As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to the Weekend Preview on the Athletic Football Podcast, sponsored by Bet365. I'm Dan Bardell, joined as usual by Bet365, Steve Freeth, and in George's absence, the Athletic's Jack Pitbrook is here to preview the best of the weekend's Premier League action, including Manchester United v Spurs, Arsenal v Leicester and Chelsea v Newcastle. Jack, it's great to work with you again. Obviously, we had a great time working together in the Euros. It's going to be really good to get your thoughts on Manchester City, who you are a supporter of, and Spurs, who you cover for The Athletic. How are you? Oh, to be honest, Dan, it's fun to it's fun to get the chance to talk about other clubs. You know, I spend most of my time just focusing on one club, so it's nice to cast the net a bit wider today. Steve, are you okay? Good, mate, yeah. Looking forward to Cheltenham next week. Big week, obviously. And uh, a bit disappointed last night with Leeds, to be honest with you. Well, I was not at all. It was just what I wanted to say, Steve. But yes, get straight into the weekend's action. But before we do, remember you can sign up to The Athletic for just a pound a month for the first six months at the moment if you're not already a subscriber. To take advantage of that offer, simply visit theathletic.com slash football pod. Game one that we're going to look at is Brighton v Liverpool, which is the Saturday lunchtime kickoff. Jack, it was a bit of a weird game for Liverpool, beating for the first time in a year at Anfield in all competitions. James Pearce did a piece straight after the game that came out the next day, which I thought was a little bit harsh. He claims that they need to sharpen up. I mean, I'd say, in general, they're pretty sharp. Yeah, they're really good. And personally, I wouldn't read too much into the fact that they lost uh, into Milan uh, the other night simply because in a game like that you can't separate you can't separate the result from the context. The context is Liverpool won two 0 away from home. They didn't need to win. They were you know they they hit the Inter Milan woodwork I think three or four times. They did everything that they needed to do to be able to progress to the quarterfinals. So I, I think we can you can drive yourself a little bit crazy over interpreting second leg uh, outcomes like that. Um, in terms of sharpening up in general, well I mean they are playing really well. I mean, they're obviously not perfect. No team is going to be at this stage in the season when you're playing this many big games all the time. But I don't, I, I mean, look, James obviously watches them more than I do, but I don't get the impression that their overall performance levels have dipped that much. No, on a sensational run in the league, Steve. Is this where their squad comes into it? Because I did think Salah looked a touch legger. 
I don't think he's scored. What is it? Four four games in open play now. I know he's had a couple of penalties. I mean, the front three now, when Saleh, Mane and Diaz uh, played together, they've created 12 big chances, I think, already in the games that they've played. So they are clicking. They're just not in front of goal yet. You know, the XG is still, is still very good. I mean, the 40 to 1 for the quad, which is we still think is still unlikely to happen. But as as Jack rightly pointed out, they were 1 to 66 to qualify for that tie before anyway. So, you know, it was job done for them. So um, I'm certainly not going to write them off just yet. I think they're going to still a massive chance of of the quad at 40 to 1. And those people that backed them at 1,500 to 1 and 1,000 to 1 will be hoping they can, you know, carry on and, and uh, hopefully get all four in the bag. Yeah, I mean, if they win again on Saturday, they've still got an awful lot of momentum. Like Jack says, I don't think you can read too much into that into Malango. One thing you do need if you're going to win trophies and you're going to win the league, Jack, you need a little bit of luck, and it does fail at the moment. Like the big moments are going Liverpool's way. You think of all Mason Mounts misses at Wembley, Lanzini missing a good chance last weekend, Sanchez's red card at a crucial time in that game. That really, really did tip the momentum back in Liverpool's favour when it was looking like it was heading towards Inter Milan. You need luck, quite simply, to win things, don't you, Jack? Yeah, completely. And it is, you know, it's so hard. What what they're trying to do is really, really difficult. Which is compete with Manchester City, who I think are probably you know, the best and most complete and uh, most effective team of our era in multiple competitions at the same time. And obviously City, you know, City have huge inbuilt advantages in terms of the depth of their own squad and the money that they spent over the years and, and everything. So for Liverpool to keep pace with City is just really difficult. And, you know, we saw this season reminds me a lot of the 2018-19 season when, of course, City and Liverpool had that amazing title race and Liverpool got a points total that in almost any other season would have won the league by miles and yet they ended up not winning it. So um, they do need luck to go their way. They do. I think they kind of need everything to go their way, to be honest, to win the league. But the fact that, you know, it's the middle of March, they're still in the mix. I think... If they win all the remaining games and beat City, I think I'm. I think they will just scrape it. Um, yeah, it does show that you know what a great job Klopp's done. But they obviously need every little detail to go their way as well. I mean, it wasn't that long ago we were all saying the title race was over. So even for them to be in with a shout now at this stage, I just hope that by the time we get to April, it's still tight when they play each other because that's going to be an incredible game of football. If so. Steve, Virgil van Dijk obviously missed a lot of last season with injury. Did anyone really expect him to be this good? And is there also an element of strikers almost being scared to take him on? Martinez seemed frightened to go anywhere near him on the midweek. Yeah, he's uh, clearly a... a He's a fantastic player, isn't he? Um, he's attempted nine tackles against players dribbling against him so far this season. I think he's only only lost one of those and and that was against Manchester City in that entertaining game. Clearly, you know me, I love a defender from set plays. He's, he's a massive threat in the box as well. Going forward, already had 10 shots on target this season as well. So definitely one of my favourite players. A big outsider for the PFA Player Award, of course, but he's already won it once, hasn't he? So who cares? I tipped him at the start of the season. He does seem more dangerous from set pieces this season. I don't know whether I'm imagining it and because you spend all your time talking about defenders scoring off corners. I don't know whether I'm just paying more attention, but he does look like he's going to score every game at well, the moment. Well, I mean... The defenders know it's going to happen, but they just can't stop it, can they? Those runs through, a bit of blocking, clear run. I think there's a goal like, what was it, Crystal Palace, where he just seemed to run from about yeah. 10 yards away and just banged it in. In fact, one of the rare games that Liverpool lost on XG, actually, in, in, in recent months, that one. I know the game oh. state was a big part to play in that because they were chasing a 2-0 lead, Crystal Palace. But yeah, uh, a massive threat and definitely one of my players from the from set pieces. And what's your tip for the game, Steve? Yeah, with Salah on a Salah on a barren run, this Brighton defence, I think, is is massively there for the taking, and the, and the bet three six five bet boost is uh, nine to two for Salah to score two or more. So that's what I'm going to back. 
be interesting to see if he, if he does start or if he's given a rest on the bench. I mean, he doesn't even like being taken off for 10 minutes, so if you're Jurgen Klopp, you daren't put him on the bench at the moment. Game two is Manchester United v Spurs, which is the Saturday 5.30pm tea time kickoff. Now, Jack Potticino was talking about Spurs in midweek, saying how much they meant to him. How much harm's been done to his reputation by that that early knockout? Because he'll be in the frame for the Manchester United job in the summer. He's obviously the favourite. You've been writing about Spurs taking the chance to get Conte when United hesitated earlier in the season as well. Do you think Manchester United regretted it? So start with Pochettino. I think, yeah, it does, I think it reflects fairly badly on him what happened in Madrid on Wednesday, just because it was such a disaster. Like, see, honestly, it was one of the worst collapses by a team I've seen in the Champions League in years. You know, they were absolutely cruising, 2-0 up on aggregate. And they conceded three goals in 17 minutes to Real Madrid and went out. Now, if you're being sympathetic to Pochettino, you could say, well, PSG have got a habit of doing this in Europe. You know, we saw this under under Unai Emery. We saw it under Laurent Blanc. We saw it under Thomas Tuchel. They have a track record of crashing out of Europe, you know, whether it's experience or pressure or mentality or whatever, however you want to describe it. Uh, PSG, you know, PSG do have this kind of inbuilt fragility in these big games. Clearly, Pochettino has not been able to fix that because it, it reared its head again on Wednesday. I think for that reason, I would be surprised if he's still PSG manager next season. He's only got one year left on his contract after this one. I'm sure PSG will look to do something else this summer, whether that's uh, Zinedine Zidane or Conte or or whoever else. Um, there can't be many left. They've tried a lot now. Well, no, that's the problem. Yeah, they, they have tried basically everyone over the course of the last 10 years. But I don't think it will... I think it makes it less likely that Pochettino will go and get the Real Madrid job, which I think was kind of a possibility after how well they played in the first leg. I don't think it will necessarily rule him out of going to Manchester United. In fact, I think it would probably make it easier for him to go to Manchester United because it means that if, if United call up PSG and ask if they can have Pochettino, PSG will not put up much of a fight. Whereas, of course, in May last year, when Tottenham tried to appoint Pochettino, PSG said no. Uh, so may- maybe it will make, I'm spe- speculating a bit here, but maybe it will make it likelier that Pochettino should go to United. In terms of Conte, well, uh, it's a, this is a huge game for Conte because Conte took the job in October, I believe, in part because he just learned that he wasn't going to be a candidate for Man United. United decided that if we get rid of Solskjaer, we would like to replace him with Pochettino or Ten Hag, not with Conte. And it was really only after that that became apparent that Conte decided to pick up the phone to Daniel Levy and say, you know what, Daniel, you know that job that I turned down in June? I actually fancy it now, which is why he, which is why he's here today. Yeah, Steve, just come to you on PSG quickly. I mean, it was an incredible collapse, but... Like Jack says, I don't think you can look too much at Potichino because I think you put that all on the players. Do you remember that Barcelona tie, was it four or five years ago? I remember losing over 10 million quid on that game. The comeback was just incredible. Um, you multi-millionaire, Steve. Uh, yeah, sorry, not my money. It's not <laughs> It's not Betfree 6-5, is it? Yeah, I mean, I mean, Barca were 20 to 1 to qualify that day. Man United also did the same with that Rashford uh, late penalty, if I remember rightly. Um, and they were 1 to 33 to qualify when 2 0 up before Real Madrid got back into the game as well. Incredible, really. Yeah, I mean, Pochettino's walked into that dressing room, clearly got, a, uh, I don't know how happy Messi is. Neymar's always done his own thing anyway, isn't he? And Mbappe's running down his contract. I've Personally, I think he'll be welcomed with open arms at uh, at Manchester United and be able to do a, a quite decent job as well. Do you think he'd face similar problems at Manchester United as he's walked into at PSG? Uh, no, I, I, to, uh, to a lesser extent. I, I think, I mean, if Conte had taken over, I mean, that would have been box at Manchester United. I'm sure that would have been 
absolute box office. You know, as a fan looking in, you know, I mean, we've seen him throw the toys out the pram away at Burnley, wasn't it? When uh, things weren't going his way, he, he says how he feels. And I'm sure at Manchester United, it would have been more than what we've seen at Spurs as well. So from a, a fan perspective, it uh, would have been a good watch. Jack, why do, does everyone talk, I, I don't get this. Why is everyone talking about the Manchester United players' egos? What, what have they all got these egos? Because I'm not being funny. I watched them last week. They're awful. They are absolutely atrocious. Yeah, they are. They have been playing bad for a while. I think this is one of the things that annoys United fans so much is that the United players seem to have a slightly kind of inflated sense of how good they are. You know, the last two years, what have, you know, they've not really had a proper title challenge. You know, they had that, I guess, in 2017 18. When Mourinho was there, they kind of did a title challenge for the first half of the season before City pulled away. And yet the United players clearly think they have the right to be incredibly picky about who gets to manage them. Um, I think they need a big reset. I think they need to clear out quite a few players who are not pulling in the right direction. Um, You know what? I, I kind of think that if Pochettino or Conte went there and they got rid of a few players, I think a lot of the, I think a lot of the other players would turn out good you know they, they they're good eggs they'd be willing to be coached I think there's a lot of potential improvement there to come from players like Rashford and Shaw and Maguire and Wambasaka and McTominay and Fred so I think they do have some good eggs in there but I think that at the moment there's just so much ego so much politics quite a bit quite a bit of entitlement and it, it means that they are just it, unwilling to buy into a a manager which is the number one thing that any successful football team needs is to have the players you know willing to work very hard to do what the manager tells them to do if you don't have that you've got no chance I mean again like we said about PSG I mean Manchester United running out of managers to try as well I think the players need to look at themselves in the mirror at some point now as we've got you on Jack let's talk about Spurs turns out I mean I've hammered Emerson Royal on this podcast quite frequently there was a right wing back there all along who should have been playing in Matt Doherty He's been sensational for him. Yeah, he's he's been, he's been unbelievably good. In Spurs' last two league games, I think he's got one goal and three assists. That's against Leeds and Everton. And yeah, Leeds and Everton were terrible in those two games. They were Agreed. utterly awful. But Doherty looks like a completely different player. He's got his confidence back. He's trying things on the ball. He's creative. He's running in behind. He's playing difficult passes. Uh, he's doing the lot, which goes to show really how... One, how transformative confidence can be in a player. You know, his confidence was so low last year. He wasn't reacting well to Mourinho hammering him. Whereas now he looks completely different. And the other is the benefit of being coached by Conte. You know, Conte is just a brilliant, whatever you might think about his outburst, he is a brilliant coach who improves players. And he has, a lot of those first players are just much better since Conte's come in. And Doherty really speaks to that. He loves an obscure right wing back when he's in England, doesn't he, Conte? Obviously, Victor Moses, he revitalised his career, and now he's doing the same for Doherty. Well, yeah, that, that's the thing, is that back at the start of the window, uh, I think Conte thought, well, Emerson Royale's not good enough going forward. I want to get in someone else. Why don't we try and get a Dharma Traore from Wolves? Will They tried to send Doherty back to Wolves as part of the deal. Wolves said, no, we don't want Doherty back. And then Wolves ended up sending a Dharma Traore on loan to Barcelona instead. Uh, so Conte was left with Doherty and Royale. It's turned out that Doherty was, you know, he made him into the player that he was at Wolves again, um, which really shows one, Doherty must have been through a pretty difficult time because it can't have been a lot of fun for him, uh, ne- neither Tottenham nor Wolves wanting him. 
But at the same time, he has. I think he's done really, really well. And Conte know, knows what buttons to press. Steve, what's recent results done for the top four odds for Spurs? Yeah, Spurs, of course, are chasing uh, Arsenal in that respect, Dan. But yeah, Spurs are are three to one now to finish in the in the top four. So kind of fifth favourites. So we still think they might uh, they might have it to do. But I suppose with with Harry Kane in this type of form, then they've got every chance, haven't they? Yeah, let's talk about Harry Kane. How's your bet getting on, Steve? Better than your Southampton bet to be relegated. Yes, or mind you, they did, they did lose last night, didn't they? So that's uh, that's a plus for you, pal. Yeah, so he's uh, obviously he's got 10 goals now and we backed him at 33 to 1 each way, a third of a price. So yeah, uh, 11 to 1 a place if he finishes second. So I think Salah's away and gone clearly, but I think we might have a chance with him to finish second. Of course, I have updated the markets as to how many goals Harry scores this season and whether he'll break... Alan Shearer's record of 260 goals. So what are your thoughts on him breaking the 260 mark? I think doable. It's definitely doable, doable, Jack. I think he'll get there, yeah. Assuming he doesn't leave Tottenham to go to PSG, Real Madrid, whoever, I think I think he'll do it. I think he's actually looking... I think a year or two ago you might have said, oh, is he, is he as fit as he was before? Is he going to get injuries? That kind of thing. But Conte's got him much, much fitter. I think he's playing better now than he has done for a few years. And I mean, he's not that old, so I would expect him to continue. To, if he plays well for the next, if he has another good three seasons, he'll get the record, three or four seasons. So I'm feeling, I'm feeling bullish about him getting that record. Should I be cutting the odds if he joined Manchester City, Jack? Not necessarily, because I think that I think I don't think he. Nece- I think he'd win more if he went to City, but I don't think he'd necessarily score more because he's the main man at Tottenham. You know, mm. takes the penalties, plays every game. City, I don't know. I'm. I think he'd do really well, but I I don't think it would necessarily make a huge difference. Okay, just with injuries and age, we're favouring that he doesn't at eight to thirteen, and we're six to five that he does. Admittedly, it's 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 a it's a long market, and you'll have to wait a few years. But a, a bit more recent, his total goals for this season, guys. He's currently got ten Premier League goals. How many will he finish the season with, in your opinion? I'm going to say eighteen. I would extrapolate. I mean. I think he'll. I think he'll continue getting quite a few more because he started the season so badly. You know, he wasn't happy. He wasn't fit. He's in a bit of a sulk after not getting his move to City. But he's f- absolutely flying now, and they've still got what twelve Premier League games left. So yeah, I reckon I'd probably wind up about sixteen, seventeen, eighteen on this. Yeah, well, actually, uh, the band of sixteen, seventeen, and eighteen is a fifteen to eight chance, which is our favourite. So yeah, um, spot right. on, guys. Okay. Astute analysis from Jack. And myself, I mean, he's taken over Thierry Henry now in the all-time Premier League goal-scoring charts. Even if he doesn't break the record, Jack, in terms of all-time goal contributions, you know, he could go down as the best striker in Premier League history. Maybe, yeah. In terms of, I mean, it's not often you see someone who is kind of two players in one like Kane is. He's Spurs' best number nine and the brilliant number 10 as well. Uh, and that's really been the story of him in the last sort of two years has been turning into a much more complete player than the brilliant number nine that he was back in the Pochettino days at Tottenham. Um, so, yeah, I don't actually, I've never actually looked at the all-time Premier League goal contributions no. tally, but would imagine that Kane would be pretty near the top. Yeah, you'd think he'd, he'd absolutely stand a chance now. That'd be an interesting thing to look into, actually. I don't, I don't know either. Henri, possibly, I would be would be my guess. Steve, who do you have a guess at? 
Uh, well, I'll tell you after I've just put it in Google. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've always just thought of him as a cross between Shearer and Sheringham. I think he's a stupendous yeah. player, Harry Kane. And watching him at the moment, he is a real joy to watch. And I wouldn't bet against him breaking that Premier League record at all. Just before we get Steve's tip, there is a glimmer of hope for Manchester United, which was reported by Laurie Whitwell in the week. United have reached the FA Youth Cup final for the first time in 11 years. And actually, Jack... That might be a good thing for Poch if they get Poch in, you know, that's just the kind of thing you'll want to hear. Yeah, completely. I think if they do get Poch in, I mean, they're going to want to move on some of the older players that have been there for a while and uh, rebuild the club a little bit around young players. But of course, Poch did really well with young players everywhere he's been in his career, whether it was, uh, you know, Luke Shaw, etc. Southampton back in the day or when he went to Tottenham and he you know took Kane, Delhi, Dyer, Mason, Bentaleb. Andros Townsend, Rose, Walker, lots of young English players who hadn't really uh, made much of an impression yet in the game. And then he's all, you know, made a lot of them into superstars. So if he can do similar at Man United, then they would be flying. Steve, what's your tip for the game? Uh, Ryan Giggs is the answer, by the way, by about is it? Uh, yeah, uh, 162. Just total assists. This is just total assists. Cesc Fabregas is second with 111. And Rooney in third, just pipping Frank Lampard by one with 103. But as regards to Manchester United staying with the Giggs link, it's the fourth time that they've conceded four or more goals in a Premier League game. I think 141 days, which is their worst run since 1970. So Spurs must fancy their chances of scoring. I think United will as well. So both teams to score and over two and a half goals for me. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Game three that we're going to look at is Chelsea against Newcastle. Jack, Chelsea won last night under strange circumstances all around for, for them at the moment. But they went to Norwich and they got the result. I was going to say it's boring being a Chelsea fan, but that's obviously not the case at the moment. But they're probably just going to finish third and that's that, isn't it? I think so, yeah. Although it's so hard at the moment to make predictions. I mean, we shouldn't... We are, This is such uncharted territory. Like We've never seen a Premier League club hit with sanctions like this. You know, we've seen, you know, transfer ban, points deduction, this kind of thing in the past. This is just another level from that. So making predictions from here about how this is going to affect Chelsea in the short, medium and long term, it's kind of anyone's guess, really. I've got no idea what's going to happen uh, in terms of the future of the club. Um, I think the one thing we do know is that they've got a really good manager and they've got a lot of very good players. And, you know, that's why they won the Champions League last year and the Club World Cup this year. So, assuming that none of that changes, then they'll continue to win games on the pitch, and I imagine they probably will hold on to third place, but there's just a million different variables here, and this, we've never seen anything like it before, so I probably probably wouldn't take, I'm not sure I'd be you know, betting much money on the outcome at this point. 
I mean, Steve, as someone who likes a bit of luxury themselves, I mean, even the simple thing of travelling to away games, that's <laughs> going to be a problem with the, the budget that they've been given now, going to Champions League games, things like that. Like Jack says, it is uncharted territory. Yeah, I don't spend 20 grand on travel, Dan. You know that. More, uh, spend more. <laughs> yeah, it's only. Pricing up Chelsea for next season is is it's a tough gig, you know, it, you won't be seeing any prices anytime soon as regards to that. And as regards to the top four this season, I mean, Chelsea are still 1-40 to 40 to finish in the top four. So, you know, we don't expect too many changes that way. We have pushed them out slightly into the Champions League to from 8-1 to one to 10-1. to one. Like everybody else, Dan, we're just waiting to see the repercussions of this and, 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 and what happens. And we have to tread very carefully, admittedly, because we don't know what's going to happen. You know, with the takeover, Jack... There's things in flux at the moment. You think of Rudiger and Christiansen's contract. At the moment now, Chelsea can do absolutely nothing about that. So to plan for next season, because they can't get people in at this point either, it's a complete mess. Yeah, I think I think making predictions about what Chelsea will look like next season is, at this point, literally impossible. Because we don't know if they'll be under, under sanctions or not. We don't know who the owners will be. We don't know which players will be under contract. What we do know is that if the current situation continues, then they won't be able to sign, um, I think it's Azpilicata, Christensen and Rudiger to new contracts. And given there were already question marks over, certainly Rudiger and Christensen's futures, and Tushel more or less admitted the other day that uh, Christensen would probably be leaving, I think, then I think you can certainly, ex- I would expect those two players to say, well, you know what, n- now might be a good time to go and sign a kind of mm. lucrative Bosman deal with a different team and leave in the summer. As for Laqueta, m- m- might be a slightly different situation, I'm not sure. Um, yeah, you feel so like he-, he might turn around and think, oh, I want to help out. He seems like right, that kind of guy. Right, it's, plausible. it's very plausible, yeah. Um, so I, I just don't know. I mean, I just don't know which which players will still be at Chelsea next season. And then the, on top, separately, there's the issue. You know, hypothetically, they might they might need to sell players. But mm. then I'm not even sure what the. I, I think there are restrictions on the player trading that they can do. You know, they can't really buy and sell players. It's a yeah. Don't go around if you're a Chelsea fan. Don't buy a kit for next season with the player's name on the back yet, <laughs> no. because uh, you might not. Even, <laughs> we don't even know the sponsor's going to be for a start. I might not even be able to bring out a new shirt at this yeah. this rate. With God knows well, and you can't, and you can't, can you? Sorry, that my, my yeah. joke fell flat yeah. because you can't even buy... You know, the, the shop is shut, so you can't even buy a Chelsea shirt, even if you wanted to, at least through the official channels. Absolutely, man. I mean, actually, someone who can't wear a Chelsea shirt at the moment, even if they want to, really, is Lukaku as well, Steve. My captain for the double game week on Fantasy I Football. Saw, I, I saw that, I praying he didn't come on, so I got the Coutinho double points, but no... Brought on with four minutes to go, absolutely killing my week. But it's a strange scenario there as well with, with Lukaku. I mean, across two games, getting about four or five minutes on the pitch, is £100 million striker. It's just, just not right. It feels like now, at this point, Tuchel's proven a point. Pretty glad I bought uh, Havertz and Mountain um, in oh, well my done, team, yeah. Dan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's about the only winner I've had in about a week. I'd certainly take him back at the Albion, Dan. I know he's a real, he was a boyhood Albion fan. I know that. And he was desperate to join before. He was up the M6 and then carried on and, and went past and, and, and went to Everton. So we'll, we'll dearly have him back the way it's going. He might be an upgrade on Andy Carroll and Carl and Grant. I mean, whilst we're talking about clubs in a mess, I still think with everything going on at Chelsea, West Brom is still a bigger mess than Chelsea, which probably says it all at the Thanks, moment. Mate. Let's look at Newcastle then, Jack. After winning just one of their first 20 matches, they've now won six of their last seven and taken 21 points from 27 during a nine-game unbeaten run. They're probably safe. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm, they have turned it around very quickly, I think. Um, looking at their points total around Christmas, I thought, wow, it's going to be a really difficult job for them to get up uh, and save themselves. But now they look very relaxed. I mean, it's, um, you know, we, if you imagine that, let's say, Norwich and Watford are down, then you'd say it's probably Leeds are probably next, like, the most likely to, to take that final slot and then Burnley and then Everton. But you wouldn't have, I don't think Newcastle are even in the picture anymore. No, and that in itself is massive. That shows what a job Eddie Howe's done, really. Yeah, I mean, they did spend eighty-three million pounds in January, and I'm sure look, Eddie Howe has done well coaching the team, and you know he's improved players who were there before. But they wouldn't be in the situation they didn't spend all that money. Uh, mm. So I think we should, there's, you know, it's worth remembering kind of how how they got to this point and and how they've managed to turn things around. But yeah, that you know, you can imagine that if now they are staying up and now they will be able to spend money in again in the summer, I imagine there'll be a very different a very different prospect in next season, depending on the quality of players they can get in. Actually, they might be licking their lips at Chelsea's downfall actually in, in the summer because they're a team with, with big money now. They might be keeping a keen eye on what's going on at Chelsea. Steve, if you'd have had a flutter at Newcastle to stay up at Christmas, what odds would you have got? Well, the rod's on to go down, Dan. They had a pretty miserable Christmas, pre-Christmas. Leicester beat them, Liverpool, City, you know, 11, 12 goals between them. And of course, that after Christmas, that defeat to Cambridge in the FA Cup as well. And they were 10 to 11 to get relegated. I know they brought new, new faces in that late goal when Pedro scored uh, at St. James's near the end of the game would have been a bit of a hammer blow for them. But I think they then had a, a run of fixtures where on paper... They looked very winnable games, you know, the likes of Leeds, Everton. Even, I'm not going to say your boys. Um, you know, I mean, yeah, they did win. Brentford, yeah, Brentford, Brighton. But it, it's, I mean, they're, you know, double figure price now to be relegated, probably 25 to 1 ish after, after last night's victory as well. You know, uh, he's got how he's been managing uh, Bruno Gamares, you know, his minutes very well. Of course, he scored a brilliant goal last night at Southampton. Chris Wood also scored last night. And they've also got. Callum Wilson to return as well. I looked at their fixtures at the end of the season, Liverpool at home, Manchester City away, Arsenal at home, finishing with a Burnley away. I thought it was going to be a huge relegation six-pointer when I looked at it at Christmas time. Mm. Clearly it isn't, and they could be challenging for the top half by then. It's, you know, I'd be critical of, not critical, but I've questioned the loving of, for Eddie Howe, but sometimes you just got to doff your cap to somebody, and that's what I'll be doing to Eddie Howe on this one. Yeah, absolutely the same here as well. I mean, confidence and morale are a massive thing in football and Chris Woff has been writing this week about the morale around the club. Quite the turnaround for Newcastle United over the past two months and it just keeps getting better and better. Nine games unbeaten. Another victory last night, this time at Southampton. A 2-1 win when they came from behind and Bruno Gimaraes making his first start since his £34 million move from Leon in January, scored the most outrageous backheel volley, which really just sums up the sort of confidence which is flowing through Newcastle players' veins at the moment. They just find ways to win. Uh, the togetherness that Eddie Howe has built is evident out on the pitch. They're taking these cheesy photographs after matches, but the reason they're doing it is to, to, to remember these moments, to remember these wins. And they head to Chelsea on Sunday full of confidence, not fearing anyone now. Only Liverpool 
have picked up more points than Newcastle so far in 2022. There is obviously the political situation around Chelsea at the moment. Hopefully, it seems like the away fans will be able to travel and will be able to get their tickets to be at that game. They were in full voice last night. They are really, really enjoying watching Eddie Howe's side at the moment. And suddenly, Newcastle are on 31 points, 10 clear of the relegation zone and are looking up rather than down and it really does feel like a dramatic change compared to earlier in the season and survival now looks a case of when not if. Steve how does this one play out? It's been 10 years since that Pape Cisse double at, at Stamford Bridge. Um, they rarely had any joy since then. I think they've lost nine or, 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 or ten games. Um, so I'm going to go for Newcastle with a two-goal head start on the handicap. They may well lose, but I don't think they'll lose by many. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Game four, Arsenal v Leicester, Sunday 4.30pm kickoff. Jack, Mikel Arteta said that Saka's penalty miss was great for his career because he got a lot of love, a lot of support off the back of that front from the nation afterwards. How impressive has he been this season to have bounced back to, from such a low point, something that you know could bring a lot of players down? It just shows his mentality and he's having an unbelievable season. Yeah, he's been brilliant. It was uh, I was there at the final of the Euros last summer and it was so... I'm, I'm so pleased for him that it hasn't broken his career because it must have been extremely upsetting for him, I think you can say in hindsight. Mm. But he's been amazing. Like That goal he scored at Vicarage Road the other day was just unbelievable. Like The confidence, the way he nicked the ball in the first place, the technical skill. He is just a, he's a sensational player, Saka. He's so he's played in different positions. Uh, I love watching him play. He's so confident. He's so, he works hard for the team. He's clever. He's flexible. Uh, he's versatile and he really embodies what Arteta's trying to do. So, yeah, he's a real joy to watch and I'm pleased that he has done so well this season. Yeah. He's actually a really, really good finisher, Steve. I think it's something that perhaps gets overlooked in, the, in his game sometimes. He's actually pretty clinical in front of Saka and Arsenal against Watford were, were clinical in general, some lovely finishes in that game. What's the Saka goals market looking like? Yeah, well, I've actually updated the top Arsenal team goal scorer this season. It looks a two-horse race, and you you talk about Saka's finishing. Well, I mean, Smith Rowe has been an incredible finisher this season. Um, Saka had a hot spell over Christmas when he got four in three games, and he's got two in three after scoring against Brentford and Watford. He has actually had the most shots for Arsenal this season by some way. He's had 59 efforts with 20 of those on target, which is only 33%. 
Smith Rowe has got nine goals from a 38 and his shots on target are, are, are over 60 as well. So we do have Saka as favourite to be to Arsenal top team goal scorer at five to six with Smith Rowe at 11 to 10. Odegaard is also amongst the goals recently. He's 10 to one to be the top goal scorer with Martinelli at 16. And I'll just mention Lacazette, who, who's out with a washing at 33, who's only got three goals from an XG of 6.5. But from what I've been reading, he's certainly been playing his part um, from an unselfish point of view. I know he's got he's gone six Premier League games without a goal, but he's got seven assists this season and five assists in the last four. So he's certainly doing his job for the team. And Arsenal now are what, eight to 15 to finish in the top four. So all looking good for the Gunners after the terrible start they had back in early August. Yeah, I mean, Lacazette's link-up play been really, really good in, in, in recent weeks. I mean, since Aubameyang's gone, or was out of the team as well, I think Lacazette's really taken on the responsibility at Arsenal and his, his link-up players come on leaps and bounds this season. That's something I've definitely noticed from his game. Yeah, he's a bit like Firmino, isn't he? Like, he's a kind yeah. of... He's adapted uh, his game, actually, to, yeah, to be a bit more like that. It's not natural to him. Yeah, he, he he's very clever. He links well. He brings other people into play. He kind of drags centre-backs around a bit. Uh, he's never going to be as... He doesn't. He doesn't really have the speed, and he, he never had the speed that Aubameyang had. He doesn't really have that anymore. Uh, he doesn't really threaten to score that many goals. But I think he makes the team better. And when you've got quick players like Saka, Martinelli, running in behind, yeah, it helps to have a number nine who kind of comes towards play in just the way that Firmino does with Mane and Salah running in behind him for Liverpool. Yeah, I think he's made sacrifices in his own game, Lacazette for the team, and that's definitely something that Arteta will really like. Steve, Arsenal's schedule looks a bit tougher than it has been in recent weeks. A really big period coming up for them, isn't it? Yeah, massively so. But, you know, surely they go into these games, you know, full of confidence, Dan. Mm -hmm. You know, the next three games, you look at them, Leicester at home. I know they've had an upturn of form recently. Leicester, Liverpool at home, of course, the the big one and and your boys away. So from a betting point of view, for them to get maximum points over the next three games, we're only just 10 to 1. Normally, I'd probably be around 25-33. So it just goes to show how far Arsenal have come. And uh, they are 1 to 2 to beat Leicester at home at the weekend. And you know, normally this will be a battle for the top four, but clearly Arsenal are odds on favourites to win this game quite convincingly. Jamie Vardy injured again, Jack. Got injured against Leeds last weekend. Do you think it's now showing that they've relied on him a little bit too long, Leicester? Maybe a bit. I mean, they've got other, you know, they have got other decent strikers, but there's nothing, there's no one quite like Vardy. And, Var, you know, I mean, for years now, Vardy is just, it's kind of everything for Leicester. Like, he's their cutting edge, he's their leader, he's the guy that terrifies opposition defences, and... I think without him, then they're not really the same team. And maybe his his struggles this year have kind of a sort of why the team has struggled a little bit under Brendan Rodgers. I know they've had a lot of injuries this year, Leicester, and it's been difficult for them to replicate their form in the last two years. Yeah, Jack's just mentioned all the stuff that Vardy brings, Steve. I think he also brings. I think, and I think every team needs this. He brings a bit of nastiness oh, when he's yeah. not there. Leicester may be a little bit too nice. He, I think he excels when he, we've talked about this before, he excels when he becomes the pantomime villain, you know, mm. and he loves, to, he loves to wind up opposition fans, he loves to wind up opponents as well, and, you know, he, he, he accepts it, he gets it, he gives it out, and, um, yeah, I'm, I'm disappointed, just from a football fan's point of view, even though he sticks it to the Albion every time he used to play them, clearly we're, 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 we're years apart now, but, um, I, I, and I enjoy that, and uh, I, I enjoy that little bit of entertainment, and hopefully, the, the, you know, this knee injury, and he's had a hamstring injury as well, and clearly age is catching up with him now, but 
I hope it's not. Um, hopefully, we'll get another season or two out of him if he's well managed by Leicester. But yeah, he's uh, he's definitely got something, and um, yeah, he just he, he loves winding up those fans. And what's your tip for the game, Steve? Surprisingly, Leicester have kept three clean sheets on the bench. I don't know whether Brendan Rodgers has, has, has tweaked anything. They've defended from the front a little bit more. I don't know. But the odds suggest that this game is going to be free scoring. I'm just going to go against that a little bit by going for under two and a half goals around the 11 to 8, 13 to 10 mark. Yeah, that'd be a far cry from the game earlier on in the season. Arsenal absolutely ripped Leicester apart. Leicester looked all over the place in that game and Arsenal were very, very impressive that day. Final game we're going to look at is Crystal Palace v Manchester City, which is the Monday night football. Jack, you're a big City fan. As I mentioned, you spoke brilliantly about City's treble chances on Wednesday's Athletic Football podcast. What's your assessment of City season so far, Jack? Well, they're playing really well. Um, They have, for quite a while now, I think they've been... They've hit a new level in terms of quality of performances and consistency. Um, so in that sense, I think they are they're doing great. Obviously, you know, n- nothing is won yet. We've seen in the past that City uh, have a bad record in the biggest games in the Champions League. So I wouldn't be surprised if um, you know it's certainly far too early to predict that they'll that they that they will win that in the premier league it's going to be very tight with liverpool you know like i said it's just like 2018-19 two teams on top of their game playing really really well both in europe as well very difficult to predict what will happen but i'd say at the moment i'd probably give city a slight edge over liverpool but it, you know it's not far from a coin flip and as someone who watches manchester city quite a lot jack i just wanted to mention riyad mahrez sort of city have obviously got some unbelievable players so much talent in that squad Riyad Mahrez has turned into a really, really important player for Manchester City this season. Yeah, he's been great playing out on that on that right hand side. He's really made that position his own, particularly now that Bernardo Silva plays more in the middle of the pitch instead. Uh, he's so talented. Mahrez uh, showed that with his two goals at Man United against Man United on Sunday. Uh, t- very technically good. I think fully in tune with the rest of the team. Very quick. Uh, just a fantastic player. And the way that he's finally settled into the City system does give you a little bit of hope for maybe maybe the same thing will happen with Jack Grealish, I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, I was going to say that. Kind of having his Gundogan season this season, isn't he, Mahrez? That was that was him last year, been there a while, but really excelled last season. This feels like it, it's Mahrez's season after a few years, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, completely. Yeah. It really is. Mahrez and Bernardo. Bernardo's been incredible this year. Um, don't get me started on Bernardo. A lovely, lovely footballer to watch. Let's talk about Crystal Palace, Steve. I mean, I think Patrick Vieira's first season can go down as a, as a success, really. They're safe. He's implemented a playing style, and in fairness to him, he did that pretty early in his tenure. I'm not sure I agree with this bit in the script. Is he a manager of the season, Shal? Uh, no, I was surprised that uh, when I saw that as well. I th- well um, we have got an Arsenal fan producer, so I can yeah, see why it's snuck its way in. I think, listen, I mean, Palace historically have... Uh, have done well against Manchester City in games. I think seven points taken from them in in, in seven Premier League games. I know that's not massive, but you know, you know you're playing against Manchester City, of course, and they did beat them at the Etihad earlier in the season. Um, and they could trouble Manchester City, uh, you know, on the counter. I thought War, um, Palace were great at Wolves last week when they when they won there, but they've drawn twelve games this season. And I know it sounds ridiculous. They're hundred to one to be relegated. They're eleven to ten or whatever to uh, for the drop actually after after August, but. I, I sensed a few grumblings from Palace fans who were just frustrated at, at, at dropping points, which I thought was ridiculous. Um, I know he changes his team quite a little bit. I don't think he's picked the same side um, this season. But listen, they've got an exciting front three and they're they're twelve to one to win the FA Cup for the first time as well. So they seem to be in a fairly decent place. So yeah, onwards and upwards for Palace. 
I think in-game management is one of the criticisms that Palace fans have had of Vieira, but they're a team I've enjoyed watching this season. They're a team, there's not many teams that probably scare you, Jack, as a Manchester City fan, but Palace do feel like they've got a certain hex over Man City. Yeah, they've got a decent record over City over the last two years. They've also got a lot of really good players, Palace. They've got a lot yeah, of really forward. exciting young players who are great to watch, who can who can just do something, you know? They can they can produce a moment of magic. Uh, and that's how Palace have beat, you know, all it will take for Palace is if they're defensively tight and then produce one or two moments of magic, they can any, anyone can win the game. So uh, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion at all. I think Vieira's done a really good job at Palace. What I, what I think he's done well is that he has move the club forward in terms of style of play, in terms of integrating young players. They're a bit more exciting to watch than they have been in the past. He's given them, he's kind of changed the identity while also preserving results. And that's a really difficult thing to do in football. Steve, any chance of an upset in this one? What's your tip? I'm going to look towards the referee, Dan. I think uh, Martin Atkinson take charge in this one. He's, uh, he's very lenient as far as cards are concerned this season. He's averaging around two yellow cards a game. So I'm going to go for under two and a half cards. Boring tip, Steve. Look at something exciting from you. Boring tip from a boring man. I wasn't going to say that, but fine. If that's what you think about yourself, that's what you think. That does us for this week's podcast. Just enough time for me to remind you to subscribe to The Athletic today and you'll gain full access to all the brilliant articles as well as ad-free podcasts for just a pound a month for the first six months. Visit theathletic.com slash football pod to take advantage of that offer. My thanks goes to Steve, Mr. Boring, and a massive thank you to Jack as well for stepping in and making his debut. And of course, thank you to all of you for listening as well. Please, wherever you get your podcast, remember to rate and subscribe. Mark Chapman's going to be back on this feed on Monday. You've been listening to the Athletic Football Podcast. Have a great weekend and enjoy all the football. The Athletic.